What a powerful name. What a powerful name. Father, we just give you glory for your Son who is our Savior. Jesus, thank you for just bringing your manifest presence into our lives. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for opening our eyes that we might see the glory of our Father, that your name would be known across this community, across our nation, across the nations. Father, today, today we celebrate your greatness. So these are our praises. Inhabit them for your glory, for your glory, for your glory in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Please take your seats. Okay, so we're going to now just take some time to, uh, the first person that's going to speak is Chris Cartwright, and he's um, uh, on a video. Uh, It's not live. (laughs) That would have been impressive, wouldn't it? But it's not live. It's a video that Chris has sent out to us, uh, and um, we want to show you this. Um, So pin your ears back. Uh, And I would also encourage you to maybe just take some notes. What do you see? What do you hear? Not just in what Chris is saying, but in what Steve will say, Martin will say, Ellen will say, and what I say. I'm asking you to listen to what God is saying. Okay? Okay. Let's roll VT. Thanks. Hi, it's great for me to have this opportunity to speak to Elam people and Elam churches all across the UK and around the world at this, the beginning of a new year, not just a new year, a new decade, 2020, the 20s are upon us. And as I think about this next season ahead, I can't help but believe that God is calling us, in fact, positioning us for this new decade. The position that we find ourselves in determines so much. It determines what we can see. And I believe that God is wanting us to position ourselves afresh for this next season. In so many ways, that means positioning our hearts and our lives in prayer, in worship, in intimacy with Him, but also positioning ourselves together with one another. As a part of the Elam movement, we have a together calling and destiny and opportunity, but also along with other believers around the world and around our communities. See, I'm convinced that God wants to do something with us in this next season that is truly beyond our own imagination and our own understanding. When Jesus was talking to his disciples in John chapter 4, he was preparing them for much that was to come. He was going to continue to teach them and prepare them that tough times were ahead, but also that these were harvest times and times where the spirit would be outpoured so that they could be empowered to be harvesters for Christ. He said to them, lift up your heads and look at the fields. The position we're in does determine so much. From where you are right now, you can see certain things. And Jesus is saying, look, Look around you at where you are. In fact, trying to fill them with fresh hope for the familiar places and people that they're amongst. 
I believe it's time for us to look again at the fields, the places, the communities, the people that we are amongst and to see them with God's heart. Not coming with condemnation, but with compassion. Not coming with outrage, but coming with outreach. Optimism and faith for lives, people, communities to be changed. It is time for Elim to advance together into a harvest future where we stretch beyond ourselves. But it's also time for us to look outwards and to be full of fresh mission. I believe that in the coming days we're going to see all kinds of new things emerging. Not just strategy, but real service to those people right now that maybe don't know Jesus or are unsure of whether to put their trust in him. It's time when prodigals are going to be coming home. It's time when those that are sitting in church right now wondering whether God has a fresh season for them will feel their spirits lift and their strength begin to grow. But together we might be able to serve him. So Elim, Let's be full of faith this year. Let's be full of hope. Let's be full of compassion. Let's be full of the heart of Jesus as we look out at the harvest fields around us. God bless you. Have a wonderful new year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should stand and salute, shouldn't we? Is it, yeah. it, it's, it's inspirational. It's, uh, it's challenging. It's, um, uh, and if Steve gets up here and says, I'm going to just, he's already said what I'm going to say. Just, he's got more to say. Uh, and I want to invite Steve to come and join me. But just, Steve, before you come, just let me say a couple of things. Um, um, Steve spent an awful lot of time under this man's ministry serving alongside him, and together they took Cardiff, what was Cardiff City Temple, but now is Cardiff Church, Cardiff City Church, um, to uh, a new place. It's always been a very influential church in our movement, but it's not just an influential church in our movement, it's an influential church in, in its city. And, and it's very much down to this man's leadership uh, since, um, what's he called, Chris, bailed, and kind of dumped it all in this man's lap, uh, this couple's lap, because it's not just Steve. It's, it's uh, both of the uh, husbands and wives. We work together. We serve together. And, uh, and I just want to acknowledge this couple's ministry to you. This man is a godly man, okay? He, I love just being in his company. And we have a treat in a minute. Afterwards, we're going to go out to lunch with them just to spend time with them because they carry something of God. So I want you to pin your ears back. Okay, he is a, he's, there's a type of person um, that is rare, and they're the type of people who who have a thought, have an opinion, have a, a sense of something, and they're not afraid to say what they think, and they don't do it argumentatively, they do it with grace and humility, 
even if it cuts across everybody else's opinion. I've, I've witnessed this many times, uh, but it is always to a depth of wisdom that brings enlightenment to a group of people that will just journey down a track unless somebody says, whoa, the king's got no clothes on. Okay, and this is a man who's going to come and speak to us for a few minutes who is this type of man. Okay, so I want to honor you, Steve and uh, Helen, and thank you for being amongst us. Thank you for being willing to come and share your heart, and I love your dress sense, so come and join us. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. That was a very gracious introduction. I don't think I deserved even 50% of that, but um, thank you. I do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, Bill and I are going out to play a game of snooker after this, uh, this service is finished this morning. So if you want to come and join us, you're very welcome. Um, yeah, I've got five minutes. So I've actually even... Oh, hold on a second. Let me... I'm probably wasting time trying to get this started. Um, Helen, could you just sort that out for me? And then I'll... I had it all lined up and I must have touched something I shouldn't have. Um, I, so what would I say, what do I see as I go into this new year? Um, I don't think I see any better than you see, but maybe when we see together, we see a fuller picture. So as I have been praying about the new year, I have really been taken to a verse in Genesis, Genesis chapter 49, verse 22. It's a slightly obscure verse. Let me read it to you. It's this, it says this, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, thank you, whose branches go over the wall. Let me read it to you again. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches go over the wall. This sounds like Gardener's World, doesn't it? Or Gardener's Question Time. Um, but, but this is an interesting verse because it's prophesied over Joseph. That's the obvious bit. His father is close to death and gathers 12 of his sons, his 12 sons. And literally, as you read the introduction of Genesis 49, he says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the future. So I think all the boys turned up for that occasion. Some of them got what they wanted. Some of them didn't get what they wanted. Actually, it's a very mixed picture of prophecies that Jacob gives over his son. Some get some really inspiring words and others get some pretty harsh words and some challenging words. Anyway, this is the word that he speaks over his son Joseph, who we know to be his favorite. And therein lies a bit of a problem. Uh, But Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches go over the wall. What it's saying to me is I think that's a word for us as a church. I think it's for us as individuals that God wants to bless us so that we can be so fruitful that our branches go over the wall. This is not brambles going over the wall and causing a nuisance to the neighbors. This is a vine that's laden with fruit going over a wall to bless and encourage and help other people. Does that make sense? There is something nice. You're on the garden on the other side of the wall. When the, when the grapes come over, I guess legally you can then pick them. And I think what God wants to do in our lives as individuals and as churches, and I think in many ways what you're doing here as a church is a model for many other Elim churches, is that we need to get out. You know, we need to ask God to bless us. Would you increase us? Would you strengthen us? Would you uh, bless us so much? Not only that we can be filled, but that we might be a blessing to this town and to this area and to this nation. And I think that's on God's heart for us this year. 
And it's not a new word. It's not a, you know, God's always wanted that. In John 15, verse 8, Jesus says this over his disciples. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So we get blessed when we bear fruit. But actually, if I bear fruit in my life, I get blessed. But I get blessed because it feeds somebody else. You know, the vine is not particularly helped by the fact that it bears fruit. It's everybody else that benefits. So when we get blessed, when we begin to grow as Christians, then this whole fellowship will begin to be strengthened. Others will be empowered because you've suddenly stepped up or you've stepped in, that you've taken, as it were, a step to a new level in God, and God is using you more effectively. You get really happy about that, but other people benefit as a result. And when we all step up together, we can then move to another level in God. So I just feel that that's what God wants to say. It is, uh, he wants us to be fruitful. He repeats it. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring. The word spring is interesting because how do vines continue to bear fruit? Well, they need lots of water to do that. This is a vine that's positioned near a spring. I won't preach to you now, but what I'm sensing is that how are we, how are we going to be fruitful? We need to position ourselves next to the spring. Who is the spring? Well, it's God, isn't it? That he, you know, Psalm 1, when you plant ourselves next to the living water, the spring of life, when we abide in him, he abides in us and we will bear much fruit. So I think we need to be a people if, who are fruitful. How do we become fruitful? We stay connected to the source. The, you know, I don't know, some of us, myself, sometimes I'm a, I feel like uh, I, I have times where I abide in God, and then I just get on with doing what I'm doing. And then I think, oh gosh, I need to abide again. I need a top up from God. And I come back again, a bit like an electric car. It needs plugging in from time to time. I run it to the limit, and then I have to plug it in. I'm not sure that that's what the Bible's talking about here. It's talking about abiding. It's talking about remaining. There must be a way that we can live where we're constantly, we're not just praying all the time, but we're praying as we go, as we work. We're abiding in him. When we abide in him, we're like a vine next to a spring. We bear much fruit, and that fruit goes over the wall. I think, folks, it's time for the church to go over the wall. It's it's time for the church, you know, not to be on the defensive anymore, but to be on the offensive, to um, in our daily jobs and in our lives, to really be confident that we've got something to offer, and the alarm's going, and I need to be quiet. So may I just pray over you as individuals. Can I do that as I close? May I pray over that this church, that Myrtle House, and every person that's a part of it, will be a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches go over the wall, that this community and this area and this nation will be impacted by the lives of the people that are part of this church family in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. I think we I think we need to have him back, don't you? Yes, yeah. Okay, Martin. So 2020 vision, we've been told, is what should be seen can be seen. Um, in particular, we're talking about 20 foot, and if you're looking at it, um, as they say, I want to see as God sees. That's what I want to see. I want to view the world through the lens of Father God. 
Not through my own eyes, but through his eyes. That's what I want to see. You know, if we can see the things they, the, the way they really are, not just the way they appear, we can join God in his mission to the world, to our nation, to Llanethli, for Llanethli. To see people turn back to God, to know him and belong to Jesus. That's what I want to see. You know, as a father of three amazing children, whenever I have a chance, I will talk about them. Maybe you're the same. Sally, the love of my life, whenever I can, I will talk about her. Wherever I am, I talk about her. Wherever I can. Father God loves his son, Jesus. And he made a way through him. Because he loved the world so much that he gave his beloved son as a way for you, as a way for me, as a way for the world to belong to him. If 2020 vision is what should be seen, can be seen, this is what I see. The people of God in love with Jesus. That Jesus should be the love of our lives. That if we can, we will talk about him to whoever and whenever. I believe that if the world can see we are in love with Jesus, we will be the greatest influence in the places that we live, the places that we work, the places that we play. When they can see Jesus in us, that we are in love with Jesus. You know, there's two people I want to mention today. One is an elderly lady. I, I presume she's not with us anymore. A couple of de- decades, ago, decades ago, I had the privilege of meeting this lady who was an auntie of a friend of mine. We were on mission in um, Sunderland and New- Newcastle at the time. And we had this opportunity to pop into her house. And I spent minutes with her. But she made an effect on my life, influenced my life that I can't forget. And I held her hand, and she looked into my eyes, and she said something about her love, and that was Jesus. And I, I left that place, and I, f- I can see it now and feel it now. The, way, the only way I could describe it is that she oozed Jesus. She was in love with Jesus, and I could see that. And I felt that it influenced me. And the other person is a person that we have talked about before. We've listened to him on on sermons, and that's Alan Scott. Whenever I'm with him and hear him talk, I know that he's in love with Jesus. And because because he's in love with Jesus, he influenced the the place where he lived. Uh, If you know his story, I won't go into it now for time, but his, his love, I believe, influenced the people that he was um, with and then the town and then the nation and then the world because of his love for Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. He is the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy and gave himself to purchase our freedom. As the scriptures say, the person who wishes to boast 
should boast only of what the Lord has done. What has the Lord done for you? What has the Lord done for you? And that's what our hearts should be full of, our love for him. If we can see things the way they really are, not just the way they appear, we will make Jesus known. We will make him famous. We will be the influencers of a town, of a nation, of the world. So, are you in love with Jesus? Many of you know I'm not the gadget queen. So, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We share, you shake me down. Um, Bill asked me the question, what do I see? And when I thought about what I saw, I could see, I could see kindness. I felt that God wanted us to go into a year of kindness. And over the years, we hear of all these, um, these ideas of acts of random kindness. And I think uh, God's on a mission for his people to not just do an act of kindness at this point, that point, the other point. But actually, uh, God wants us to be on the mission of being kind every day of our life every day of our life. And this morning, Bill got up and he said something to me because I didn't know how I was going to communicate this to you. And um, he said something to me and it reminded me of something I preached part of the way through the year uh, about this issue of one touch from the king changes everything. One touch, just one touch from the king changes everything. And I think my heart um, would be uh, the, and I think, I think it's God's heart, is that we would be a people who are so very fruitful that understand that it is the time for harvest, um, understand that he wants us to be so very fruitful, understand that he wants to be us to be uh, so fruitful that uh, it's having an impact and an influence on those around us. And um, Martin talked about uh, the influ- being an influence, and I, that's what I sense God wants for you and me this year, that we would be even better influences than we've ever been. And there's only one way to be the influencer that Christ needs us to be, and that's that we would adhere to what he asks us to, and that is to be filled with the Spirit, and to be full of the Spirit, to be a man or woman of the Spirit, that one touch from the King changes everything. One touch from the King changes everything. Um, one of my favorite verses, Galatians 6, 5, 22 says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, but, the Holy, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. I hear it, this kind of fruit, this is the fruitfulness that needs to be active in our life that we would bear, okay? Produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, okay? They're attributes of God. They're attributes of God. They're attributes that God himself exhibits to you and I. And for us to exhibit that to the world, we have to be in touch with him. 
We have to encounter him. We have to receive from him. We have to understand that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And it's God in us that will draw others to him. And that's our mission. We're called to go. But how do we go? Not just on a whim of doing an act of random kindness from day to day or when we feel like it. Actually, trying to live, as Steve mentioned, to be plugged in all the time. You know, I'm just like Steve. Sometimes I'm off on my own and then I stop and I think, hang on a minute here, come back. You know what I mean? Because I do live knowing and wanting to be full of the spirit day by day. But I'm human and I leak a bit all over the place sometimes. But, you know, I need to be one that is full of the spirit. And it's the only way that I can do good, see good and influence the world. And I pray that for you. Last week when Martin interviewed Bill and I here, um, Martin said, what do you see? And I said, I see gold. I see silver. I see diamonds. I see love. I see potential. I see passion. I see a bit of apathy. I see a bit of can't do it. I see a bit of I don't really know who I am. I see. But what I see, because I am a woman of faith and I believe that there is so much in every one of you that you've not tapped into yet. You've done great. We've done great. We've come to this place, but we go in, we leave a decade behind. We're going to go into a new decade and the decade is going to be good. God is good and God is good all the time. And he wants us to be good and he wants us to be faithful and he wants us to be so full of him that we would be kind at any given point, at any moment of any day. He wants us to be kind. Stay plugged in, church. Stay in that place of alignment. Stay where you need to be. I think you would acknowledge with me that you see harvest. You want to see the harvest. You want to see people knowing what you know. But you know, it takes you and me to believe that Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's our lives that will change a world. It's our lives that will draw others to him. Let me just remind you of a scripture. Romans 3, 12 says, all have turned away from God. All have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. That's why God in his wisdom chooses to do what God has done to draw us back to himself and touch our lives. One touch changed my life. I'm sure a touch from God himself, the king has changed your life. That's why you're here, because you follow him. You choose to follow him. But let's make a commitment to him this year. Let's dream dreams. Let's live lives that influence others for good. Let's be filled with the spirit, full of God, and allow those attributes that can only come from God through the supernatural touch and filling of the spirit. It's only then that we will bear much fruit. So I think God wants for you and for me and our children, our tiniest to the oldest, he wants us all to bear much fruit. It's harvest time. It's harvest time, church. One touch from the king changes everything. And wherever you are at today, one touch from the king will change your world. I got five minutes. Oh dear, you know how difficult this is going to be.
what do you see that you should see? What do you see that you should see is that, do I hope I can see it? Am I looking for it? Actually, or do I actually see it? Well, it's both. And uh, it's what I see, but it's also what I want to see. What do I dream of seeing? Um, and for some people, they, they just dream of seeing. So um, uh, Mark 8, just, uh, just a few short verses. Mark 8, 22 down to 26. It says this. It's the story of a blind man encountering Jesus. It says this, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as his sighted guide outside of the village. He placed his saliva on the man's eyes and covered them with his hands. Then he asked him, now do you see anything? Yes. Yeah, he said, yes. My sight is coming back. I'm beginning to see people, but they look like trees, walking trees. Jesus put his hands over the man's eyes a second time and made him look up. The man opened his eyes wide, and he could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored. Then Jesus sent him home with these instructions. Go home, but don't tell anyone what happened, not even the people of your own village. What do you see? Do you want to see? Uh, what are you dreaming of seeing? I'm challenged by what I see and what I long to see. Uh, I look and I see some people that I see are kingdom people. And then I look at some people and I see that they want to be kingdom people. They just have never met the king. They live by kingdom principles. They have kingdom passion and kingdom heart and kingdom focus, but they just don't know the king. You see, I think what I see is the kingdom coming. I see change. I see a dissatisfaction with establishment in culture. I see a dissatisfaction with authority and hierarchy. I see people wanting their own way. I see people wanting to be their own agent. I, want, I see people wanting... All that the world offers without uh, picking up responsibility. I see all sorts of things like that. But what do I see in kingdom people is my question to me. What do I see in kingdom people? When I look, how do I discern that they're kingdom people? What am I seeing? Well, I see four things, very simply. Four things. I see that they have a desire for the kingdom. I see because Jesus came and he talked about kingdom. He was all about doing his father's business. He was all about promoting the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom all the time. He promoted the kingdom. He told the disciples, go and tell people that the kingdom is near, that the kingdom has come. That he talked about kingdom. And kingdom people, I see, they are kingdom people. They talk about the king. They talk about him. It's the thing that comes out of them. It's their heartbeat. It's their passion. Martin encountered a lady for a moment, and she was a kingdom person, and it flowed out of her into him. What was in her overflowed the walls of connection and blessed her, blessed him out of her, which is what Steve was saying. And I think I see kingdom people. I see kingdom people here, and I see kingdom people out there but they don't know the king yet. And I, and I want a mission to introduce them to the one who is actually orchestrating their life. They just don't know him yet. 
I meet these people all the time. And, um, and, uh, and Paul encountered a group of religious people who were praying to all these idols. And uh, he saw that they had one idol that was earmarked for the God that they hadn't met. And he said, um, I see you've got all these idols um, and you've got one to an unknown God. Well, I know him. Let me tell you about him. Because, you see, they were kingdom people. They just didn't know the king. And they were getting distracted and sidetracked. But the other, another marker of kingdom people for me is that they pray. That they're people of prayer. They're not religiously praying. They don't attend prayer meetings. They're people who, com- who communicate with God all the time. They're permanently connected. Their, their, their roots are in the stream all the time. All the time. It's very simple. You just pray on the go. Oh, they're at prayer meetings, absolutely, and they, and they read their scriptures, and, but they're, they're in connection with God because prayer is about listening as well as talking. And so you discern these people. They're not, they don't just talk about kingdom. You see them actually manifesting kingdom principle in their life because God whispers, oh, just would you share this with that person? And they do, and his kingdom advances. These people, I also see that they plan. They plan. Uh, They're not completely organized. I'm not saying that, but they have a strategy. They have a strategy because I am not a planner. Uh, I'm a strategist. I I dream. Uh, I live with vision that is over the horizon. I dream all the time of what I yet can't see. I want to see a town impacted by the power and love of God. Uh, I live for that I give my life to that. I've married the land here. We decided 24 years ago that this is where we'll die young at a very old age. That's the plan. That's the strategy. Um, I haven't yet bought a grave plot, but that sounds a bit macabre. But you understand my heart. My heart is for here. My heart is for here in a, a confrontational dialogue with difficult people in the early days. I said, listen, you can sack me if you want. I don't care. I don't care. You need to know I'm not called. I'm not called to pastor this church. I am privileged to give leadership to this church under the authority of Elam, but I'm called by God to pastor this community. I have a vision and a dream and a plan. And a plan. I don't know which way's up most of the time. So I pray. So I pray and say, God, I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? How can I do this? And he says, start some businesses. Make a way where there isn't a way. Pioneer. Break some molds. Break some molds. It was prophesied over us right at the beginning of being here in Llanelli. We've been here a week and a man prophesied over us, God's calling you to be mold breakers. He didn't say he broke the mold when he made you, which maybe other people would go, whoa, thank goodness there's no more of those two. But he said he calls us to be mold breakers. So that we don't pattern things as they have been in the past. I see something new every day. How about you? So these kingdom people, they plan. That's what I see. And then I see that they live. That they live. They're full of life. They're fun to be around. They're not miserable killjoys. They're full of life. They're full of passion. They're full of purpose. They have a hope and a dream, and it marks them out of the crowd. They seem to be different. That's what I see. They're full of God. They love God. They're not 
awkward. They don't find it difficult that children say, oh, nits. <laughs> and get all, oh, well, well, this is communion. You shouldn't be talking about nits in communion. But it's life. It's life. For goodness sake, but I am going to wash my hair when I go home. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but th- th- that's what I see. That's what I see. Kingdom people, they're full of life. They're full of life. And it's about life. And it's about living out that life. And that life will look like something. It will have a peace when others around them are, are traumatized and struggling. Brexit, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I do know that God's in charge. And I'm called to pray for those in authority. So I'm praying for the for the, uh, for the principles of our, uh, of our nation. I'm praying for those who have guidance. And So what do I see? I see these people living in a kind way. I see these people living in a loving way. I see them living a fruitful life that blesses others because they've been in their company. That's what I see. And I'm coming back to Mark, and then I'm going to finish. Mark 8. This is what I see when I read this. I see a blind man with friends. I see a blind man with friends. It doesn't say that his friends brought him. But these people, if they're just strangers and they see a blind man, they're actually begging Jesus to heal him. That sounds like friends to me. So I see a blind man with friends. I see a blind man with a guide. Jesus his sighted guide, it says in the Passion Translation. His sighted guide. I see a blind man with a guide who can see. I see a blind man with some sight because he's, he's had his eyes spat in and his hands, the, the creator of heaven and earth's hands, placed over his eyes and he gains some sight. You see, one touch from the king does change things. But what I see then is a blind man with a second encounter. Because he's not just touched once, he's touched twice. And, and I want to say to you that if you don't see clearly right now what's in front of you, if you don't see clearly where to walk and how to go forward, there is an opportunity for a second touch. There's a, there's a second touch from your king that will change everything. Will change everything. It will give you sight where it's been foggy and a little bit misted, it'll become clear. And then he says, I see a blind man who's told not to tell anybody. Because it's not about what you say. It's about what you look like. It's about what other people see in you. That's what makes the difference. Because you see, they should see in you what should be visible in close proximity to your life. That's what 2020 is to me. I should see in you what should be seen in you as a follower of Christ. And you should see in me what should be seen in me as a follower of Christ. And when we see that in each other and others see it in us, we have an opportunity for our fruit to be a blessing to their soul for the glory of our King. That's what I see. That's what I see. We're going to pull our time together to a close with an opportunity. We're going to worship, and we're going to give you an opportunity. If you want another touch from your king, we're just, 
We're just us. Uh, we're just us. We're just going to offer you the opportunity to be prayed with. To be, not to be prayed for, but to be prayed with. And if you just need a touch, if you just... You, sometimes I can't see the wood for the trees. I don't know which way's up. And I just need a touch from him. that will show me which direction to take my next step. And if that's you, we'll pray with you, but he'll touch you. We'll pray with you, but he'll touch you. I guarantee you he will touch you because that's what he does.